Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation radio show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO and the Hawkeye Nation uh, podcast network. My name is Andrew Downs. I'm joined as always by our fearless leader at Hawkeye Nation. It's Joe Schmelke. What's up, Joe? Hey man, just celebrating a three and zero start for the Hawkeyes. Uh, I know, uh, I know, a lot of teams can take that right now, right? And uh, yeah, we're not looking great. I think our best football is still in front of us, but uh, hey, we're three and zero, uh, and I guess we'll uh, find out a little bit about us. Uh, Coming up here on Saturday, right? Yeah, we, we're going to learn a little bit this this weekend, that's for sure. Learn a bit about us, learn a bit about Penn State, and we're going to cover all of that here uh, as we roll through the hour on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. Uh, we'll look back at last week, preview this coming week, and uh, and have some fun along the way. Uh, before we do any of that, Joe, I wanted to just uh, mention I was at the uh, front row earlier this week over in Clive, and uh, you know that's every time I go in there, it's just it's just a good time. I was uh, I was drinking some swarm beer and. I just kind of walk around when I'm in that place and just, you know, there, there's, I've been there so many times. It feels like I've seen everything, but there's always new things I catch on the shelves or on the walls or, you know, pieces of Hawkeye history, uh, that, that are just there. I just, uh, I have such a good time there. I know they have a game watch coming up this weekend. I know you were out there, uh, for the Cyhawk game. It's, uh, it's just the, the, the best place for Hawkeye fans to be. It is. It's a great location to watch the game. My wife, Lisa, will probably be there uh, selling raffle tickets and handing out some Hawkeye, uh, some Hawkeye uh, prizes and things like that. It's great TVs. You can hear the game. Uh, they pipe the sound in for the game. So it is uh, It's a fun place, man. It's just a great place to watch the game. And the bartender, I don't know. You know, he's got a brother <laughs> that's a little bit trouble, but... Uh, He's a good dude. He's a good dude. The funny thing is, every time I walk in there, so my, my brother Brian works there, and he and I look a lot alike. Uh, and yeah. every time I walk in there, there's some people who mistake me for him, and I always feel kind of bad because uh, <laughs> they they expect me to greet them like I know them, and I don't know them. And and I you know it's I, I feel like Brian probably gets a lot of flack for uh, hey hey I saw you last week and you didn't even say hi to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, as long as you can go behind the bar and pour yourself a beer and walk around, that's okay. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, Joe, you, you touched on the uh, the forty-one to ten win over Western Michigan uh, over the last week, and and kind of how there was a lot of good. It wasn't perfect. There's still more to work on. There's uh, there's work in progress, as there always is this time of year. Uh, really, with every college football team, but certainly with Iowa, where uh, the best Hawkeye teams get better as the season goes on, and they're playing their best football towards the end of the season. So. Uh, uh, there's still room for progress, but uh, overall, a, a pretty good game uh, on on Saturday. Certainly a good second half, uh, offensively and defensively. So yeah, let's let's just start with the good first. 
the 41 points is uh, is is big. You'd like seeing that. And then, as you talked about last week on this show, Joe, you wanted to see this running game get going. We thought it might be with Caleb Johnson or Jazz Patterson. It turns out it, it wasn't those guys. It was LaShawn Williams and Kamari Moulton who did the bulk of it. Uh, but the running game did get going and, and rushed for you know a couple hundred yards in, in a game where you just needed to see that happen. Yeah, the uh, the offensive line was opening up some holes, and the guys had some room, and uh, I'm sure that it felt good to have some confidence and and to play at that level and, and get that kind of production. Now, once again, it was against Western Michigan, but, you know, it doesn't matter sometimes. It, it, it just feels good to make that thing click, give yourself some confidence, and, uh, you know, you, you, you can see we've got some depth in the in the running back room, and obviously we need it, right? Uh, they said uh, Williams had a really good uh, uh, spring and fall practice, and he was looking great. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, although he did drop one that would have been a really nice long gainer, I think. And, uh, you know, just did some things. And then we got a couple of freshmen that, uh, man, they look like the real deal. One from Florida and uh, then this uh, – uh, the other kid, uh, they just, you know, we got to have somebody step up. Next man in. That's what it's going to have to be. That's exactly right. And, yeah, so Jazz Patterson goes down early in that game. He did have six carries for 20 yards, uh, but but goes down and will not be available uh, for this game against Penn State. Again, we'll talk more about the injuries as we start to look ahead uh, to next week, but did want to keep talking about uh, just how, how they did. And, and as you said, LaShawn Williams, uh, good out of the backfield, catching the ball other than the, the one drop you referenced, and uh, and just has a uh, a speed that, that was great to see, the offensive line opening up those holes and uh, and. That was all all really good. Still some rust on this passing game and on Cade McNamara. 9 of 19, 103 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, the, the interceptions especially, Joe, uh, were you know not, not worrisome. They, they didn't obviously kill Iowa or anything like that, but they, they weren't good interceptions. Uh, the one just before half was Cade just trying to do a little bit more than, than maybe he needed to. The, those are the kind of interceptions that you know the Ferences hate and, and would prefer their quarterback doesn't even try to make that throw. Uh, so still, still some things to clean up there. We were hoping we'd see this passing game kind of break out in this game against Western Michigan. It really didn't happen, and, and so now we're left to kind of wonder, uh, you know, what the future of this passing game is, and uh, and it's going to be a tough spot this Saturday to try to get that going. Yeah, it's uh, this is not the game you want to uh, try and figure out your passing game coming up. But you know he's he's just a little slow. Um, that that play work that you referenced that was an interception um, where he threw the interception right before the end of the first half. It was open early, and he kind of double clutched and then he went back to it. Um, so early that was open, and then over the middle we were at the game, and you could see Ragini, or Ragaini, as uh, he changed his name to now, <laughs> was wide open in the middle of the field, and, and that would have been a smarter play. If you're not going to throw that ball right away uh, to the outside long receiver, deep receiver, then he needed to come back over the middle, and, and he could have had, uh, had Ragaini for you know, 15, 20-yard gain, really put us in nice field goal, field goal position if, if still not keep the drive alive and keep things moving. So He's just, he just seems a little off yet. Um, he's just uh, not 100% confident. And, uh, you know, he's only played three games. Yeah. And, and it's going to take a little while. These receivers are all new to him, and they're just not clicking as well. We're all worried about the running game, and, and I still am. Don't get me wrong. Um, just because we pound out a couple hundred yards against Western Michigan doesn't mean we got a running game figured out. But – um, our passing game is, is is not where it needs to be by any means. 
And now losing Lachey, um, you know, that's, that's, that's going to hurt. But maybe the silver lining of it is, is he's got to really start looking for his wide receivers more. And uh, maybe there's uh, some openings there. So we got to see. The offense is uh, still our weakest link, right? Yes. So the week, I feel good about special teams. I uh, feel good about our defense. They gave up a couple big plays, but uh, ultimately they only gave up 10 points, did what they should have done. And, uh, you know, so the defense, I think, is solid. Uh, special teams, very solid. And the offense is uh, is it, it's not real exciting, <laughs> and they got they got a little ways to go yet. So let's hope that they continue to improve, and that by the middle of the season, if nothing else, you know they're 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 playing significantly better than they are. And then I think we can, regardless of what happens this Saturday, we can still have a heck of a really nice season. Yeah, there's there's no question about that. And it, it wasn't all bad in the passing game by any means. I, I really liked the patience that McNamara showed on the touchdown pass to Deontay Vines to kind of stand in that pocket, let that play develop close to the goal line, and then and then find his receiver, and that's Deontay Vines' first touchdown. Uh, it was nice yep. to see Caleb Brown touch the ball. He didn't, didn't have a catch, but had a couple of carries. Seth Anderson had a carry for 30 yards, so kind of good to see uh, the wide receivers get, get touches in the running game. Um, and then you had a couple of of tight ends who who stepped in in and, and did well for the most part. I mean, you've got Eric Hall, the the Michigan transfer who already has that chemistry with Caden McNamara, and, and he's certainly going to need to step up in the wake of the Lachey injury. But Steven Stilianos looked pretty good. Addison Ostranga. I mean, you know, we we've talked about this with the Noah Shannon piece on the other side of the ball. Uh, you never want to lose a player like Luke Lachey, and, and I, I do think it's going to hurt, and I do think we will see the impacts of that immediately and throughout the season. But if you have to pick a position where you're going to lose a guy, maybe tight end is one of those positions just because of the depth they have. And so uh, th- there were still some positives in, in that in that passing game, and again, yeah, it's it's just nice to nice to see those receivers touch the ball, uh, even if it wasn't you know making great catches. Yeah, and and I think um, the, the the best play call of the day I thought was uh, I think it was in the third quarter we called kind of a, a center screen or a, a screen where a center was I think the only one that peeled off and really blocked much uh, to Williams and he ran it in for that touchdown. I mean that was a great play call, perfect timing, uh, perfectly executed. Everything just went great there. And then another play that that we just missed in the passing game. Uh, really no excuse for it. Uh, Williams, uh, running back, dropped the ball right over the middle. And from my vantage point, I, he might have scored on that one. Yeah. And that might have been a 50, 60-yard gain. I mean, it was it was wide open. Everybody else was moving the other direction. And uh, he, he would have run a long ways had he hung on to that uh, short little pass over the middle. So, once again, they're not terrible. They're not like we're totally inadequate offense and, and we can't do anything obviously i think we're way ahead of where we were last year just look at the number of points we scored in the first three games versus uh the, the games last year but we're we're, we're still uh, some timing and and some issues we're, they're still not all the way there by any means yet but i think the potential is really really good and i think everybody's just got to be a little patient and uh you know we, we, we got to live with we got to live with some growing pains yet on offense it's going to take a little while 
He's Joe Schmelka. I'm Andrew Downs. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO and the Hawkeye Nation podcast network. If you missed any of it, uh, check us out, HawkeyeNation.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Hawkeye Nation and uh, we will have you covered there. You mentioned that play, the the touchdown to Sean Williams, that screen pass, and, and that was set up as so many of Iowa's scoring drives are by the special teams. And, and when the special yep. teams does this, we've seen it so many times over the years, Joe, you, you get that that great punt uh, from Tory Taylor. You get the the Cooper DeGene or you know the, those guys getting down there to to grab that ball inside the five. Your defense stands tough and, and forces a three and out. All of a sudden, the opponent is punting out of their own end zone. And even if you don't block it and get the safety like they did on one of them, uh, Cooper DeGene has a chance to return that. He does so all the way back to the twenty-five. And then you got a short field. And whether it's a one-play touchdown or not, uh, you love your opportunity to score there. And so the special teams just—they've been, you know, very good to elite again this year. Now you had Drew Stevens miss one field goal. That's his first miss of the season. And so you know you, you knock a point or two off for that, but uh, with everything else, with the way Torrey Taylor is punting the ball, Cooper DeGene on the returns, uh, you, you, you just these special teams have been great again, and they're going to need to be not just this weekend, but throughout the entire season as this offense tries to find itself, as Iowa tries to win games the way that Iowa does. Uh, these these Punting really is winning to some extent uh, when it comes to Iowa, and you saw it on on that series right there. Yeah, I mean, it just uh, we, we, we need special teams to help. I mean, our, our defense is going to usually do pretty well. They're going to keep us in the game. They seldom, you know, barring turnovers or things like that by the offense. They, 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 or the, or the special teams, they seldom give up more than, you know, uh, 14, 17 points in a game. And you should be able to win a game. You know, if, if your defense is only giving up, the other team's only scoring 17 points. You, you, you gotta like your chances to win a game. So our offense has got to uh, come around. They, they're getting, you know, like you said, a lot of benefit from the defense, a lot of benefit from special teams, and we got to take advantage of that. Um, they don't have to be great for this team to have a very, very good season, but they've got to be serviceable. They've got to be good. Uh, they can't make mistakes. Uh, we can't be turning the ball over, uh, things like that. We, we need to win the turnover battle, uh, and, uh, and, and, and I think, you know, things turn out pretty darn good for this team. Yeah, and capitalize on the turnovers we're able to get. You know, one of my favorite things about Phil Parker's offense, our defenses, is how quickly they turn into an offense uh, when when they make an interception or get a fumble. I mean, these guys are trying to score. They understand how big of a part of the game that is for the Hawkeyes. And, and let's spend a couple of minutes on that defense, Joe, because uh, the first half was certainly shaky, and there, there are a lot of reasons for that. Uh, the, the lightning delay certainly didn't help anybody. Um, but I saw Justin Van Leer had a, a great stat on Twitter after the game. Uh, Iowa's defense allowed 204 yards in the first half to Western Michigan and, and obviously gave up those 10 points. Uh, one of those, that touchdown on like a 65-yard play. Um, in the third quarter, Western Michigan had 13 plays for 16 yards. In the fourth quarter, 10 plays for 19 yards. So in the second half, Iowa's defense allowed, of course, zero points and just 35 yards. So that was adjustments made at halftime, and that defense looked a lot better in the second half. But 
there were a couple of those big plays that are just uncharacteristic for an Iowa defense. You know, one of the things we hang our hats on is if you're going to score against Iowa, you're going to have to do so uh, dinking and dunking down the field with a long drive and not making mistakes and not getting a penalty and not turning the ball over. Uh, Iowa can't afford to be giving up 65-yard touchdowns. And there was one in the second half that got called back to, to a penalty. Uh, yeah. that, that's, a, that's a little concerning, I think, Joe, as, as we go against uh, probably the most talented team we're going to see all season. You just you can't give up big, big plays. No, that's not our that's not our defense. Uh, that's not our game philosophy. Our game philosophy is to make the other team work for every single yard, every single play. And sooner or later, you hope to make a mistake, either a penalty, turnover, drop pass, something, and and they've got to punt and turn the ball back over to you. So we can't give up the big plays. Uh, I, w- I would love to have been uh, on the sideline after that play and heard what uh, what Parker said to Wong. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Harris, it it looked to me like Harris kind of turned him over and let him go, and Wampa was way late uh, getting over to the guy, um, almost like they were shocked that they were going to throw it down into that area. So um, they caught us, you know, and, 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 and hey, glad that that happened against Western Michigan. Yes. Right? Um, you, you learn from it, and you always learn more from your mistakes in life than you do from your successes. And, and that mistake, it was going to happen. Great that it happened against Western Michigan. We won forty-one to ten. If if that happens again this week against uh, against Penn State, yeah, a lot harder to come back against them, right? A lot harder to score points against them. You, you can't give up the big plays this weekend. You got to make Penn State earn everything, and uh, and then uh, create some turnovers, something along those lines. Make a few plays here and there, and find a way to score twenty-four, twenty-seven points, and. I think we got. I think we got a shot at coming out of there with a victory. Definitely want to spend more time talking about that game. Uh, before we move on from this game, though, just a qu- couple of quick, uh, maybe more trivial questions for you, Joe. Any issue with the late touchdown from Iowa? Max White ran that one in. Obviously, the, the team was super excited. I don't believe that the Ferences were chasing points, and I base that solely on the fact that they haven't done it yet this season. I don't think they really care about the contract clause, but that's certainly what national media people are going to pick up on. But uh, did you have any issue with that, that late touchdown? No, not at all. In fact, you, you, you're putting second-string kids in there. If it was our first team and we're trying to drive down the field and we're throwing passes and we're trying to score a touchdown, okay, you know, the other team could be upset. Game's out of reach. But this is our second team, second-team offensive line. Uh, running back, that's our sixth-string running back, okay? And, and I'm sorry, but our second-string quarterback needs all the reps he can get. I mean, we are one bad play from McNamara going down, and Deacon Hill is going to be in there. He's got a get some experience. So I didn't have any problem with it at all. Kirk could care less about this contract thing. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think our new athletic director, interim athletic director really cares about this contract thing either. Um, I think it's kind of silly. And if I was uh, in her ear, I would encourage her to just tear the thing up and evaluate everything as she sees fit at the end of the season. So it's just a media thing, 25 points a game deal, you know, drive just, 325, whatever it is. I, I, I care less, baby. Just just keep winning. Get me get me a, a nine and two or, you know, this type season, yep. something along those. I don't care that we score ten points a game. As long as we're winning, that's all that counts. Agree completely. Last thing about this game, I don't know what what your uh, what you do, what your routine is during a home game, Joe. But uh, were you out there for the halftime show? Did you see the uh, the band with the Caitlin Clark uh, basket made? I thought that was uh, that was really really cool. The video of that was a lot of fun to watch. 
you know, sometimes I criticize our band in the past for like, they don't do a whole lot. You know, they make some <laughs> yeah. around here and we change from a, uh, an I to a Iowa, you know, do some things. Okay. And, and sometimes it's a little stagnant. Wow. I mean, everybody in the stands was just, holy cow, this is really cool. They had the basketball shot. I mean, it, that was some creativity. I, I don't think I've ever seen uh, a halftime band show that, that really did something to, to that extent. I mean, it was, it was very cool. Very cool. Very, very cool. And a 41-10 to 10 win for the Hawkeyes. And uh, we put that behind us as we do the non-conference slate. And we head into Big Ten play with the biggest game on the schedule. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. Andrew Downs and Joe Schmelka. And we will begin to preview the game at number 7 Penn State this Saturday night right here on 106.3 KXNO. HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. My name is Andrew Downs. We're about to take a look at the Penn State Nittany Lions, ranked 7th in the country. They'll host Iowa this Saturday night at 6.30. My guest today is Ben Jones from StateCollege.com. Ben, thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Uh, before we dive into this year's matchup, I want to go back a couple of years to that, that huge game at Kinnick Stadium. Iowa got the big win in the top five matchup. And there were some residual stories after that game that really seemed to rankle some people on on both sides. Now, Iowa has its Big Ten West rivals, and Penn State's focused on beating Ohio State and Michigan out east. But this series has been back and forth, featured some really close games. What is Penn State's view and maybe the fan base's view of Iowa as a program and as a fan base? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's obviously a lot of respect there. I mean, you go back even further to when Penn State was having um, some success in the late stages of the Joe Paterno era. Obviously, Iowa came to Beaver Stadium, won a big game there. Um, you know, Iowa beat Penn State when they were highly ranked again at Kinnick a few years later. Obviously, this most recent game. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question that, you know, Iowa has given Penn State a great fight pretty much every year. There's always the exceptions to those rules. But, yeah, I don't think there's a Penn State fan that, it doesn't take Iowa seriously. And, and certainly I think any time that anyone has to go to Kinnick, and obviously that's not the case this year, um, you know, to me, that's the, the road game I look forward to the most when it's on the schedule. It's a, it's a great atmosphere. I would put Kinnick up there with anybody in the country in terms of, of nighttime atmosphere in particular. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of respect from Penn State fans, and certainly the program knows um, what, that, what those, that program is capable of as well. Yeah, it'll be fun to see uh, James Franklin and Kirk Ferentz get back together again. Yeah, considering how how all of that played out uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Last week, Ben, Penn State grabbed five turnovers in that win at Illinois. Uh, But it doesn't seem like the team was hitting on all cylinders beyond that. Did that game have the potential to be closer than it ultimately was? Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess any game that involves five turnovers had the potential to be um, less one-sided than it was. I I think that... You know, you mentioned a lot of those turnovers. It was sort of weird because I, I don't think I've seen so many interceptions just thrown to the other team. It's like, well, that was great defense, but also, uh, you know, he threw it right at you sort of thing. But, yeah, I mean, I think that Penn State has shown really on both sides of the ball that it still has another gear to find defensively. Um, there's stuff on the ground if you want it. Um, offensively, Drew Aller, for my money, has played really well so far, but Penn State's receiving room is still figuring things out, and Penn State's running game is still averaging four or five yards a clip, but really hasn't been quite as explosive as I think people expected. So there's definitely room for this bunch to grow. At the same time, I think uh, you know Penn State was the better team last week. It took them a little bit of time to get there, 
Um, but I think at the end of the day, you, you could tell that Illinois was Illinois and has a good defense, but not a whole lot else. Um, and certainly Penn State was able to finally take advantage of it through physicality and just general attrition. I was going to want to muddy this game up, right? Eat clock, play that field position game, avoid those turnovers that, that I would generally avoid in games like this, and, and, and try to keep it close late. H- how does that strategy play into or, or against what Penn State's trying to do? Yeah, I mean, I think there's no question that, you know, you look at Penn State and they've scored 30 or more points in 10 straight games, and that's sort of the antithesis of the Iowa situation, I suppose. But, um, you you know, there's no question that in this day and age, most college football programs are trying to score points because it's a points-driven game these days. Now, I think that Penn State's defense, um, you know, even if they're still finding themselves a little bit, has been the backbone for Penn State's success the last few years. Um, so the idea that Penn State's offense isn't going to be able to score every drive, that they're going to have ups and downs, that's not something the program's unfamiliar with, and it knows that it has a defense to lean into um, in those moments. I, I, I think you have to expect Iowa to do exactly what you said, which is sort of muddy the water, slow things down, and that's really going to put a premium on possessions. And I think already, uh, you know, I think Penn State last week they had 91 plays, I believe it was, which was a boatload. But in normal circumstances, they've been averaging about five fewer. Uh, per game than they did last year with the new clock rules. So that's about a drive, you would say, give or take. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you've got you've to optimize your efficiency. I was going to try and slow things down, win the field position game, and Penn State's going to have to figure out how to move the ball the length of the field, how to you know make the most of things. Last week, um, they had a ton of red zone possessions on, or short fields that they couldn't capitalize on and ended up with field goals. Um, you can get away with that against Illinois. Maybe you can get away with that against Iowa. Um, but you know, as the teams get better and better on this schedule, certainly no one's ever said, well, we beat Ohio state and Michigan and all we had to do is kick a bunch of field goals. So there's a lot of optimization there to be sure. Uh, you talk about that defense giving up just over 10 points a game through three weeks this season. Uh, where's the strength of that defense? And then maybe where might Iowa have some relative success offensively? Iowa doesn't have a whole lot of success offensively against anybody, but relatively speaking, where could Iowa, uh, you know, attack this defense with some success? Yeah. I mean, I think the good news for Iowa injuries and general, you know, issues aside that, um, you know, Penn state's weakness so far, at least has been on the interior of the, the defensive lines that people have been able to run the ball. Now they're getting more and more guys back. They started the season on the interior with some injuries, Um, Hakeem Beeman came back last week, played really well. Um, So Penn State is trending in the right direction there. But if you're Iowa and go, we want to shorten this game by having long possessions, we want to take time off the clock, and we want to attack Penn State's weaknesses, all of those things really go hand in hand. So there's definitely a recipe there um, to attack Penn State on the interior. We'll see um, if they're able to do that over the course of the entire game. We saw Illinois and Delaware, to a certain extent, were both able to have success on the ground uh, but then Penn State basically uh, shored things up, and that was over and done with. So um, that's the biggest thing. I wouldn't attack the secondary if if I was Iowa. Uh, I wouldn't attack the corners for sure. Um, but fortunately for Iowa, you know, Penn State's weakness in the interior is basically you would think uh, exactly where they'd want to attack in the first place. Yeah, Iowa doesn't have a lot of success attacking anybody's secondary, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, offensively for Penn State, just just kind of looking at the stats, looks like a pretty solid passing offense, maybe a two or more headed attacker at running back. Uh, who or what should Hawkeye fans be looking for when Penn State has the ball? Yeah, I mean, starting on the ground, it's really been Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. You could argue that Nick Singleton is the, 
the flashier of the two. I guess it's not even really an argument. It just is what it is. Um, but Katron Allen has been great between the tackles. He's been great lowering the shoulder. Um, Penn State struggled a little bit to get the edge um, against better defenses early in this year, and I think that's really where Penn State's explosiveness on the ground game lies. So if they're able to do that, that really opens things up. Um, in the passing game, Drew Aller, you know, he is a guy that if you woke someone up out of a coma and said, how many years has he been starting at college in college football? You could tell somebody three or four, and you would believe them. He just looks poised. He's got great pocket presence. He can make every throw. He gets everything everywhere on time. It doesn't mean he's not making you know sophomore mistakes or making first-year starter mistakes, um, but he looks older than he is. Um, and I think at the end of the day, he's he's going to be an excellent quarterback because of it, if he isn't already. Um, this is the biggest thing for Penn State is they need people to catch those passes. Keandre Lambert-Smith is sort of the default number one guy, um, and then it's just a bunch of other people sort of around him. Trey uh, Wallace is, is another talented guy, um, but he was out last week with an injury. We haven't heard yet from James sort of what his status is, but um, yeah, it's definitely, it's Drew, it's the running backs, and if they've got guys that can catch consistently, um, they certainly have a, a, a good passing game, but I think they're still figuring out much like on the ground, how to get explosive plays, and there's no time like the present to do that. Halfway through the week, the the line on this game hasn't changed much. 14, 14 and a half points or so is what Penn State is favored by. Uh, were you surprised at all to see that spread when it came out this week, or, or does that seem about right to you? Um, I mean, I think that on the one hand, you know, Iowa's existential problems have been what they are for a while now, so the idea that um, a team's going to have a hard time scoring um, and Penn State is probably more talented offensively and is probably going to score points over time. Um, you know, I think 14 points seems fair. At the same time, I've watched enough Iowa games against Penn State <laughs> to know that, that it's going to be a, a rock fight and, and whatever you think is going to happen, it's, it's almost certainly going to be closer than that. So my heart tells me that I don't think Iowa is good enough, uh, but my brain tells me that Iowa is always good enough to make things look ugly. So I, I think to me... Uh, 14 points seems fair, but whatever the final score is, I think this game is going to look closer um, than whatever the final ends up being. This is a guy who's seen a lot of Iowa-Penn State football, that, that's for sure. Uh, ben, this is the, the game that Iowa fans have had circled because it's it's really the only opportunity for a statement win in a season with a, a lackluster schedule. I mean, beyond this, Iowa plays a bunch of Big Ten West teams that already have losses uh, if I was going to make a statement, if Caden McNamara, the new quarterback, is going to prove why he came here, uh, it's this Saturday night. It's it's really their only opportunity. Uh, on your side, it's a whiteout, it's CBS, but beyond being just the next game on the schedule, how big is this game for Penn State? Um, I think it's the biggest opportunity they've had so far, and obviously being week four, that's not saying a whole lot, but I think when you look at Penn State's schedule, three pretty straightforward games early in the year. They've got Northwestern, UMass, um, and a bye week coming up after Iowa before Ohio State and things start to get more and more interesting. So this is really sort of a litmus test game, and we can joke about Iowa's problems and, and, and what have you all day, but I think that realistically this is a team led by a guy who knows how to make things ugly, that knows how to make these games close, that's beaten Penn State before. Um, this is a program that you, you have to respect. If you're Penn State, a defense you have to respect. And certainly, you know, if you don't take an offense seriously, that's how it ends up scoring on you. So to me, this has always been interesting. I think the, the stuff from the last meeting made this an easy one to circle. Um, the fact that Iowa always makes things hard on Penn State makes it an easy one to circle. And the fact of the matter is there's just not a more interesting game the first six or seven weeks of Penn State season than this one. So to me, 
we're going to learn a lot about both teams. Um, and I think as much as it's an opportunity for Iowa to, to make a statement and certainly uh, that side of the, the, the conference lends itself to fewer of those, um, I think that Penn State has an opportunity to here to say, look, um, we're 3-0. and We've played okay, but we can play even better, and we're going to show you that. So um, I think if, if Penn State wants to say we're really the number seventh-ranked team in the country, um, this is their best chance in a long time, uh, certainly how the season pans out to do that. He is Ben Jones. You can check out his work at statecollege.com and give him a follow on Twitter at Ben underscore Jones 88. Ben, this is always fun, man. I always appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the game this weekend, and, and thanks a lot. Yep, appreciate you having me. Thank you again to Ben Jones. When we come back here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, Joe Schmelka joins me again as we preview Iowa's biggest game of the season. Back in black on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, Andrew Downs and Joe Schmelka here on 106.3 KXNL in the Hawkeye Nation podcast network. If you missed any of our show, we had a lengthy recap of last weekend and had some fun. Uh, check it out, the HawkeyeNation.com or Hawkeye Nation, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Hawkeye Nation. It'll, it'll come up. Subscribe. Give us a like. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, before we dive into the Penn State game, Joe, we, we touched on it a little bit in that first segment, but the, the injury situation is not good for Iowa. Uh, Caleb Johnson and Jazz Patterson both out this week. That, that's tough for the running game. Uh, but the biggest one, of course, is tight end Luke Lachey. Uh, likely gone for the season. I don't think we've gotten anything official on what the injury was was but I did see he had surgery yesterday uh, he's he's likely not going to come back it's going to be interesting to see uh, in the offseason what's next for him if he wants to come back and, and try to make a go of you know putting up another good season before heading to the NFL I think if he decides to go straight to the NFL there's probably a place there for him although probably not the first or second round pick that uh, it seemed like he was on his way to becoming but uh, just just a huge loss um not just on the field, but you know, in that locker room and, and leadership on this team, uh, you really just can't put into words how how bad this this sucks for for Luke Lachey and, and Iowa fans. Yeah, totally. I mean, he was a very talented guy, big, he blocked well, caught the ball. Obviously, McNamara, uh, he was McNamara's safety blanket, kind of like he's been the last couple of years. Um, he's got speed to run the vertical routes. He's a he's a big offensive weapon. We don't have a lot of offensive weapons, so. We really need him. Uh, same thing with, with Caleb Johnson and uh, Patterson, Jazz Patterson. Yeah, he, we need all the offensive help we can get, okay? Now, luckily, at both those positions, we have what appears to be some good depth. I mean, we've still got three, maybe even four tight ends that can play. We had four tight ends that played after, you know, Lachey got hurt. So there's some depth at that position. I mean, all is... Um, I think still getting stronger, still getting used to the offense, things like that. But he's a, he's a quality player. It's certainly an excellent tight end. All right. And then in the running back room, you know, a lot of teams lose their first, their the two, two of their best running backs, you know, they'd really be hurting. Um, we saw what Williams can do. We know what he can do. He's got some experience. And then we've got these two young guys that, you know, you hope they can hang onto the ball. The bigger thing, you know, everybody doesn't realize, like, why don't we have that kid in there? He's a great runner. He's a great runner. You know, you talk about Moulton and and Jefferson, but you're just like, okay, there's more to it, okay? Do they know the blocks? Do they know how to protect the quarterback? Um, can they protect the quarterback? Are they big enough to, you know, block a linebacker or a safety, you know, that, that's that's blitzing? Um, there's a lot more to being a running back than, than just taking a handoff and, 
and running fast someplace. Um, and, and, and those are the mistakes that will kill you in a game like this. So, you know, young guys are going to have to play. There's no doubt about it. And they're going to have to hang on to the ball and they're going to have to block reasonably well. And, uh, if they can do those things, then that's going to be a very, very good thing for us. So bad deal both ways, but we do have some depth at that position and, uh, Let's, 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 let's hope uh, next man in thing comes through and, and they shine and, and we play well. Yeah, as Kirk would say, that's football, right? It's part of the game and, and you have to move ahead. Uh, and, and I was going to do just that. Traveling to number seven Penn State for a whiteout game, nationally televised on CBS. This is big time. This is the one we've had circled. Uh, this is the one Penn State has had circled early in their season. You know, they, they've got uh, a couple of, uh, you know, winnable games after this before a bye week before they get into their, you know, the slog of the Big Big Ten East and Ohio State and Michigan. So for, for Penn State even uh, early in the season, this is their big game. It's why they have the whiteout. And, uh, and we know the history between these two teams and these two programs. Uh, for Iowa, this is really the only chance for a statement win this season. I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule and obviously there's trophy games and games we all care about and you want to win the Big Ten West and there's going to be good games and matchups and things that we'll have fun talking about, but there's not another game like this. There's not another ranked team on the schedule and not another opportunity for Iowa to really make a statement uh, nationally, locally, probably even within that locker room that they're good enough to compete at this level. Uh, it's it's one thing to go out there and win the game, which is obviously what we hope will happen, and uh, and, and that's, that's what we're pulling for. But short of that, Joe, I, it's so important for Iowa to compete in this game and, and to show that uh, they're, they're – at this level, they're able to go blow for blow with a team like this. They're able to keep this game close in a tough environment late in this game, give themselves an opportunity to make a play to win the game. Uh, again, a win is obviously number one, but short of that, you, you can't get blown out. You can't look outclassed like Iowa has just unfortunately done too many times against these really good teams the last couple of seasons. Yeah, we need we need to play them the way we – Typically, we play Penn State, which is very, very tight and very, very close game. Even when they beat us, uh, they don't blow us out very often. Um, you know, there's no doubt, I think, a, 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 a talent disparity there. But um, but our defense is going to do well. Um, you know, you look at the stats from last week. They played Illinois, okay? And Illinois lost a ton of players. Uh, they're, frankly, just not that good this year. Yet, Illinois had 350 total yards against them. Uh, it was still a 16 to seven game until I think there were two minutes left in the third quarter and, uh, uh, and state scored a touchdown to go up 23, seven. So it was 16 to seven well into the late end of the third quarter. Uh, Illinois had 292 yards passing against uh, Penn state. Now they could only run the ball. They only ran the ball for 62 yards. And I think that's the key stat right there. We only get 62 yards rushing. I don't think we can beat them. Um, do we need to have 150 yards rushing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We got to be able to keep them a little off guard. We've got to be able to run the ball some. You know, we we can't go back and throw the ball 45 times and expect to beat these guys. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, the other thing we got to do on the other side is we got to create some turnovers. Um, when you go on the road, you kind of got to create some turnovers, I think, to win. And, uh, and then, of course, we got to avoid the penalties. But, you know, we, we played in a really loud environment. Everybody's like, oh, it's going to be so tough. It's such a loud environment. And it is. Don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing it to Iowa State. But Iowa State's a really loud, it's a little stadium, but it's really loud in there, okay? 
and we didn't have a single penalty. We didn't have a single, uh, you know, motion penalty or false start or anything at Iowa State. And that shows some real self-discipline, and, and, and that shows some good things. Um, you know, we, we didn't play the greatest game there offensively, but we didn't beat ourselves either. We didn't throw a pick six. We didn't, uh, you know, throw a bunch of, have a bunch of turnovers or a bunch of penalties. Um, you know, we played well on the road. So we've got a little bit of experience playing on the road. This will be, you know, we know it's going to be a tougher game, but hey, we surprised him before. Why not? I think we can do it again. Yeah, we have, and uh, and and the the key to this game, I think, is uh, going to be muddy it up like like Iowa does. You got to play Iowa football. You got to keep this team from uh, putting up big numbers on on the scoreboard in Penn State, and you, you need to keep this game close. And everything you just kind of laid out, Joe. You know, no turnovers, great special teams, perfect special teams. Uh, you know, maybe even making a big play on special teams, uh, reducing those penalties, uh, getting a turnover or two yourselves, and and running that clock, being able to run the ball, uh, control the the ball, and and the time of possession, winning that field goal uh, or the field position battle, uh, and and win ugly. You're, you're not going to beat Penn State. 35 to 28. As much as uh, I'd like to see that, it's not going to happen. If you're going to win this game or even stay close in this game, it's probably going to be, you know, a 20 to 17 type game. And that's typically what we see uh, from from these two programs or what we've seen certainly as of late between these two programs. And so uh, that's the key. You're going to have to dictate tempo on on their turf. And, and that's going to be tough. Uh, but that is what Iowa needs to do. And let's be honest, this is why Cade McNamara is here. This is why we brought him. We didn't bring him here to beat Iowa State or to put up 41 against Western Michigan. Uh, Spencer Petras could have done that. Hell, you or I maybe could have done that with this Iowa team. We've seen Iowa quarterbacks do things like this. Uh, the, the thing that's frustrated fans over the last two or three seasons certainly has been that ceiling where – yeah, we can win Big Ten West games and compete with a lot of teams, but when you get up against the Ohio States and the Michigans and the Penn States, it just doesn't feel like you're competing. This is why we brought in a player like Cade McNamara, and there are a lot of reasons why there's still been rust, and, and they haven't really gone full tilt offensively yet. Uh, you know, he, he's new, and he's been injured, and he, had, he didn't play last year, and uh, the receivers are new, and the scheme isn't maybe the most modern thing in the world, but n- none of that matters come Saturday night. You have an all-star quarterback who has been in this environment. He hit Eric All for a game-winning touchdown at Penn State when they were both with Michigan in 2021 on their way to a Big Ten championship. They've done this before. They can do it again. Uh, Cade loves these uh, these environments. As, as you mentioned, the Iowa State environment. I remember after that game, he talked about hearing the Cyclone power chant when uh, when Iowa State scored late to bring that to within one touchdown. And and he thrives on those things. And so uh, we need Caden McNamara to be the guy that that we that we I mean paid to come here, right? The guy that we we brought in uh, yep. went out of our comfort zone to go get a starting quarterback. And uh, and this is why we brought him for a game like this. And so again, the the win is the most important thing. But you need to come in and compete. And and a lot of it uh, is going to rest on his shoulders. Yeah, it, it definitely is. But he needs he needs you know every quarterback is better with a good running game, and we don't have a good running game right now. I don't think. I mean, despite the fact that, you know last week, uh, we got to get to an adequate running game, a, a running game that's just kind of average, so to speak, first. And if we can have an average running game this week, we can gain 120, 140 yards on the ground somehow or another. Um, I, I, I like our chances because you know we're going to kind of slow the game down. We're going to shorten the game. That's Kirk's philosophy to winning. Um, we're going to play field position. 
Um, we'll have good punts. We'll hopefully make our field goals, things like that. Um, we're going to score some points, and our defense is going to play well. Our offense, just like you said, kind of needs to help control things. It needs to be complementary. It needs to uh, make a play here and there. We're going to have to have a couple big plays, no doubt about it. And, and I think we will. We almost always do against these guys. And and then it's just got to, you know, don't beat yourself. Don't beat yourself with dumb penalties. Don't beat yourself with turnovers. Um, you know, uh, don't don't miss a block uh, on a blitz or something like that. Uh, throw the ball away, you know, when, when there's nothing there. Throw the ball away. Play field position. So, and, and then when we get down there, when we do get down into the red zone, man, it'd be nice if we could get it in there and score touchdowns. I really think that's been a big part against Iowa State. We did it uh, at least once down there. Patterson scored. We got down the red zone, and we scored a touchdown. And then, obviously, against Western Michigan, we did it did it a few times. But you got to get touchdowns against teams like this. You can't just settle for field goals. So well, let's hope, and, 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 and we'll see what happens, man. This this rivalry has just been been so much fun over the years, Joe. And you know we have four trophy games that we get to play every year, and then uh, you can pick which one of those is your favorite or the biggest rival, your most hated team. Uh, there, there's a lot of fun there, but man, this Iowa Penn State thing has has just been great. Uh, Hawk historian on Twitter put out uh, a couple of numbers, a look back at the Iowa Penn State uh, rivalry this century, so starting the year 2000 uh, till now, Iowa is 10 and seven against Penn State in that time. The average final score of these games, Iowa has 20 and a half points, Penn State 19.7. So in uh, in 17 games, these teams are separated by less than a point. Uh, Penn State has won six of the last 10, but Iowa has won the last two. Obviously the big one in 2021 at Kinnick with the Ragaini touchdown from Petrus. Uh, 2020 was kind of a blowout, but that had the great Davion Nixon uh, pick six that really kind of wrapped up his uh, Defensive Player of the Year award in the Big Ten. And uh, I saw Marvin McNutt on Twitter, Joe, asked what people's favorite moment from this Iowa-Penn State rivalry has been. I'll give you a second to kind of think on that and, and go through a few of them. Obviously in 2004, uh, Kirk Ferentz would say his favorite was that 6-4 to four win uh, for a lot of different reasons, right, for Kirk Ferentz. Uh, it was emotional. This game's always emotional for him. This is the team he grew up watching. He, this is the team he wanted to play for. Uh, he wasn't good enough to get recruited by. He had a great record against Joe Paterno. Hasn't done quite as well as of late, but again, I was 1-2 in a row. Uh, you go back to 2008 and the Daniel Murray kick to beat a, a top 5 Penn State team uh, there. 2009, that very next year. This is my vote for, for my favorite moment. The Adrian Claiborne uh, punt block returned for a touchdown in a whiteout. Uh, I can still hear Brett Musburger on that call. That was amazing. And then 2020, the Davion Nixon uh, pick six. And 2021, I mean, the, the highlight of Spencer Petrus's career and maybe the highest I've felt about Iowa football in a really long time uh, when Petrus hit Ragaini late in the fourth quarter in a top five matchup at Kinnick Stadium for Iowa to secure that win. Uh, you know, those are some of the big ones, Joe. What, what's been your kind of favorite moment? What, when you think of Iowa, Penn State, what first jumps to mind for you? Yeah, we were down at the Ozark, and uh, we watched the uh, Claiborne uh, uh, punt block game. And uh, we were just talking about that the other night. As a matter of fact, we took a boat across, took our boat across the lake and uh, found a cool bar outside. And it was weird because you and I uh, was playing like, I don't know who it was, Southwest Missouri State or, you know, somebody down there, one of the Missouri teams. And so a bunch of people 
from Northern Iowa. They played their game in the afternoon. We played our game at night. They ended up showing up, and we had actually a, a fairly significant number of, of Iowa fans, right, people from Iowa watching the game. So that was a lot of fun. But, I mean, as far as pure uh, excitement moment in the last few years, I mean, yeah, the Raggini pass, uh, it was scored right in front of us. We've got seats up in the uh, – in the uh, Kinnick Edge Club section now, uh, the pass was coming. I swear, it was coming right at us, and uh, dropped. And he made the catch and got into the end zone. I mean, that was just you know. Uh, I turned to my friend Jeff Harold and I said, I, "I said that's why we work, you know, so hard. Yeah, and that's why you get these tickets, and that's why you go to these games. Anybody can talk about jumping up and down watching that game on TV." But I'm telling you, to be there and see it and, and feel the excitement, um, that was something else. And then one last thing, uh, let's see, last year or two years ago, yeah, two years ago, when uh, when we hurt their quarterback and uh, and their second string guy oh, had man. to come in, and we were down there, and that's the first time in that end zone. Kirk always said, build that end zone so it's straight up and it makes a lot of noise because that's what we face on the road. And I'm telling you, we made so much noise down there and their quarterback you know, could not get the snap off and they had, I don't know what they have, eight um, uh, motion procedure penalties, something like that. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was kind of fun to be, you know, to impact the game, right? I mean, you really felt like as a fan, you were truly impacting that game. It was a lot of fun. You're right. And that's kind of the first time we felt the, the real power of that North end zone, which has uh, yeah. become such a cool feature of, of Kinnick stadium. All right, Joe, it's prediction time. Uh, we, we try to, we, we stay positive on this, on this show. Um, I was surprised that this line came out at, at 14. You know, if, if you're looking at Vegas, you're looking at the, the sports books, 14, 14 and a half is, is, is where this is. They think uh, Penn state is, two touchdowns better than Iowa, despite all the history, despite the way Iowa plays. I think that's a big number. I, I'm, I'm surprised that it's that big. Uh, how are you feeling about this game? What's your prediction? What are we going to see Saturday night? Well, I, I, I think it is a really big number. Um, I, I think they're, they're making uh, Penn State feel better than they really are. Like I said, it was a close game against Illinois, and and yeah, they ended up blowing out uh, West Virginia. I think it was, but but it, it, you know the stats were were fairly even. Illinois turned the ball over a ton of times. Okay, uh, I don't see us doing that. I don't see us making near as many of those types of mistakes. Um, I'm you know it, it's hard to pick Iowa to win in a game like this. It's on the road at Penn State. It's a whiteout. It's a night game. You're going to have all kinds of crazy emotions going. But if we can keep the score, like you said, in that 20 to 17 range, 17, 13 range, uh, I, I, I think we got a real shot at winning. So I'm going to, I'm going to hang on and, and, and go with that, uh, that 17, 13. Let's make it an ugly game and uh, do what we can do. Don't beat ourselves. Hit a couple big plays. Uh, we got to win the turnover battle and we got to run the ball for at least 100 yards. And I think we'll win. I love it. I love it, Joe. I, I'm right there with you. Give me the Hawks, uh, 17 or 20 to 20 to 17 is is what I've got. Iowa pulling it, an upset, shocking the world, uh, and proclaiming that uh, Cade McNamara is here for a reason. And uh, and watch out, world! Here come the Hawkeyes uh, again. This is just you, you just can't put words on how big of a game this is. That's the music pushing us out, Joe. Uh, this is fun as always. If you missed any of this show, check it out at HawkeyeNation.com. Check out everything we're doing at HawkeyeNation.com. We'll of course have this game covered from all angles. Uh, and uh, if you missed any of this show, check. 
check it out on the podcast page or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search HawkeyeNation.com. We will be back a week from tonight to recap this game and start looking ahead to what's next. Another night game uh, with Michigan State coming to town uh, a week from Saturday. Joe, thank you as always, and go Hawks. All right, buddy. Take care. Go Hawks.